0: The Brian Sams podcast is sponsored by Church Media HQ. Failing to plan is planning to fail, and many churches have proven this statement to be all too real when it comes to their media and marketing. That's why Luke Clayton and the team at Church Media HQ want to create a 90-day plan to help your church connect with more people. After you share a few details about your church, Luke and his team put together a custom-tailored plan for effectively promoting upcoming events, sermons, and more at your church for free. Whether you choose to hire his team to execute that plan or take that plan and do it yourself, Church Media HQ just wants to see your church connect with more people. And listeners of the Brian Sams podcast can get started with a paid membership for as little as $99 and enjoy exclusive discounts on other Church Media HQ services. See the link in the show notes or visit churchmediahq.com slash Brian to sign up for your church's free 90-day media plan today and see all that Church Media HQ can do for your church. That's churchmediahq.com slash brian. You're listening to an ongoing discussion on life, leadership, and ministry. This is the Brian Sams Podcast. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to the Brian Sams Podcast. This is your host, Brian Sams, and today I am excited. I'm joined by my friend and fellow pastor, Jake Potter, Jake, welcome back to the Brian Sam's Podcast.
2: Man, honored to be here again, Brian. I love your podcast, love what's going on, and it's just honored, honored to be here on the show again, man.
1: Absolutely. Last time we talked about preaching, and then, of course, just actually as we're recording this last week, we got to preach together in Washington. That was awesome, huh?
2: Yeah, man. That was a great trip. Wonderful.
1: Man, and I, I'm just going to be honest on the air. I mean, here's just the reality, is that we went steelhead trout fishing, and I hooked a monster, but I couldn't get him in the boat, period. Jake got him in the boat, so tip my hat to you, man. Well done. <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> well, man, that was fun trip. I got lucky, and sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, yeah. Great times, and uh, actually, Jeremy's coming on the podcast here in just a couple weeks to talk about some... Po- Uh, things, and I'm excited to have him as well. But uh, you and I were actually talking uh, in Washington, and it kind of led to this idea of uh, this podcast. And I kind of shared with you, we were all together, but I was sharing with you a story of of a mutual uh, acquaintance who essentially, like many guys do, kind of got into a church situation where really he just wasn't a fit. Bottom line, probably should have never been there. Just... He went there, moved his family literally all the way across the country, took a church, and obviously within a couple years, actually I think less than a couple years, things were not going well. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes there's problems and difficulties, but I think I think this was a specific issue. I think um, ultimately he ended up, frankly, going to the wrong place under the wrong circumstances. And sometimes there's just not a fit. Sometimes... People just aren't compatible. And uh, so, I, you know, you chimed in and you're like, man, we should talk about, you know, that sometime about, you know, basically interviewing for churches, starting new uh, starting new ministry positions. And so, so we're going to kind of label this uh, surviving the transition to a new ministry position. And, and our listener base is going to be uh, younger, obviously. A lot of guys that are not yet pastors, they're all going to have this come up at some point or the other and frankly it's not too uncommon that even pastors have ministry transitions from time to time um you know i mean i i affiliate with a lot of people in the southern baptist convention jake and i'm i'm kind of surprised at how uh frequent sometimes there's there's a lot of pastoral transition you know you know you don't see a lot of guys i mean you see some but not a ton they're just one place 40 years and I think that was more common in some of the circles I grew up in. It was almost like stay, dig your feet in, and I love that. But So I think in the broader world, there's a lot of transition. There's there's from assistant to senior pastor. Sometimes there's transitions between pastors, and I thought it'd be worth a conversation about how to make that better, how to, how to avoid some mistakes, and I wanted you to come on and start uh, because you had a unique role before you became a senior pastor up at Rosedale Baptist Church, and I just wanted you to kind of talk about what your role was because I don't know. I know if I didn't know you personally, it may not really come out as much that you had a long term role in a very unique ministry position. So, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your role there and how that related to personnel and stuff?
2: Yeah, so I, I was at Rosedale there with uh, Dr. Tool for for almost 14 years, I think on staff full time for 12 or 13. And um, the end of the last couple years, probably the last five years I was there, I served as the administrative or executive pastor, and my role really was to manage the day-to-day operations and very involved uh, with the staff. Led the staff meetings, um, very involved in the hiring and the firing process. Personnel, of course, we had a large staff there, so um, you know, interviews and um, even unfortunately letting folks go every once in a while. Working through those problems, trying to get people in the right spots, um, really just trying to. Uh, move forward with a larger ministry and large staff. So that was kind of my role, oversaw the day-to-day operations responsible for the pastoral staff and uh, even their staff. You know, we were pretty layered. Um, We had, of course, our our lead pastor and then me and then um, seven or eight assistant pastors under there. And then some of them even had assistants, you know, so Really, uh, towards the the last few years, my main responsibilities were managing the staff, hmm. and uh, so that that's kind of just the, the quick synopsis and oversight of that.
1: Well, you know, I know a lot of guys think of you. I mean, obviously, as a pastor, and and you know, so if you don't have a history there, you don't know. And if you don't know Rosedale, Rosedale's an incredibly large church. You probably gathered that from the fact that there's you know eight or nine assistant pastors and maybe more. Plus, there was a school. I believe. And, uh, you know, other, I'm sure other multiple levels, how many, how many people at the highest point when you were there, did you manage?
2: Well, total. I mean, I, I was direct, directly responsible obviously for those main staff and then they had staff under them. Yeah. So, I mean, we had 80 something employees right. full-time plus part-time people, um, including the school. Yeah. Um, so it yeah. was a lot, I mean, my Thursdays consisted legitimately of 10 minute increments till from eight o'clock to about one o'clock just meeting with different staff members, um, who were over, you know, specific ministries or area of ministry. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, so I had to learn. Of, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. I just had to learn by fire. I mean, it's not stuff you were trained for, um, obviously a lot of different personalities, a lot of different giftings and when you're dealing with that many people, a lot of different issues. Um, so, you know, the personalities, the emotions, the, uh, uh, all of that stuff you know you, you've got to figure some things out during that during that process
1: right so you did obviously whenever somebody was uh looking for a position there was a school teacher assistant pastor music director you were beachhead on the spot storming you know taking care of the initial yeah i'm the,
2: i'm on the church side, 100%. On the school side for the administration, yes, but the teachers, the administrator kind of, and then me and Pastor Tool are a little bit involved, final say stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, so definitely involved. And then of course on the church side, Um, I was kind of the, I would lead the whole process till that final stamp, yes or no, um, kind of weeding out, kind of going through, making sure they're even a fit before we would even really uh, get them to where Pastor was to make the final decision.
1: Right on. So obviously, I'm sure in that amount of time, there was probably some, you know, you got somebody in and, and, you know, maybe within a very short amount of time, you were like, oh boy, this is probably not going to fly. I'm sure that happened, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just, (laughs) that just happens, man. It's happened to me on a real micro scale too, uh, in the past. So it's, I think it's inevitable, right? If there's,
2: well, every, everything looks good on paper Mm. and it's really hard to, and you can go through personality tests, you can get the resume, you can meet with them, you can call references, which that's another topic. Um, And until you're in the trenches, until you're in the day to day with the other personalities, with the other giftings, man, you really it's really hard to know for sure until you're in in the heat of the battle.
1: So are there any on both sides, like your side or their side, any like mistakes that stuck uh, stuck out to you? Like, okay, these guys did this wrong or maybe we did something wrong in the process that could have been corrected, maybe just common mistakes people make in that process.
2: Yeah, I think a couple of them are is sometimes we hire someone just because we like them and mm. they don't necessarily have the giftings to fit the position that we need. Um, that was one of the things and I, I, I mean I, I want to work with people I like with I, I, I like I want to uh, serve with people that I connect with well and they may not be the best person as far as the giftings for the spot that you're trying um, to fill so that's one right off the bat the second one that I think of just off the top of my head is um, many times when someone is coming from another ministry and we call their pastor um, unfortunately the pastor is not always completely honest with us about why they're leaving. Or what their real issue was there does that make sense yeah, i mean I've, sure. I've had multiple occasions where good pastors that we would all love man, we're trying to you know somebody's transitioning from their ministry and they want to get rid of them you know so they're not necessarily sharing everything that they should he's the guy i had one for a guy go for the exact same reason the other guy had to and he never told us he had to let him go Mm-hmm. um, he gave us a plus recommendation. So you have to be careful. You got to ask questions, even to the references and try to not get them in a corner, but pin them down to make sure there's no stone unturned Absolutely, um, on that stuff.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good word for, uh, guys that have to let people go and transition out. I know me, uh, I've been brutally honest with people and shocked sometimes how it continues like the, the thing keeps going forward like if you were to call me for instance and you were to say, hey I'm looking for this guy and there was a real issue I'm gonna tell you hey look man um is the problem I if I were you I wouldn't do it and it shocks me sometimes to see guys go on after it's almost like it's almost like some guys if they're not careful they call the reference absolutely out of obligation without really taking heed like you done made up your mind so if you're going to hire somebody, I would encourage anybody that's going to do the hiring thing, man, allow the honesty to take root and take heed. Uh, if there's an issue like that, don't be so desperate that you don't um, – that you miss or, or overlook something. And I think, it's, sure. I think it's sad too, Jake, honestly. I think a lot of guys, for whatever reason, honesty just falls on hard times. I mean, I don't know if it's I, – I don't know what it is, but – my goodness, we're talking about people packing up their bags, moving across the country. We're talking about thousands of dollars in transition. We're talking about getting a church amped up for a new role and then it being deflated real quickly. I think we should take it a little more serious sometimes than maybe my experience has shown.
2: Yeah, and the other thing that I've really started doing now, I've just learned the hard way, is I want to hire people that already love my church. I don't want to just put somebody in a position. So part of my process is now and I've learned this the hard way, is I want them to come. I want them to be in services multiple times. I want them to say, you know what, even if I wasn't a staff member here, I would be a member at this church, and I think that's one of the, the issues that, that can happen too. We'll hire someone, and they'll come just because they're looking for a job, and they don't even love your ministry. They don't love your philosophy of ministry. They they just want a career. They're 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 not called there. It's not a hey, let's do this for life type uh, hearts knitted together type thing. So I think that's a huge part too. Brian is man. Do they love my ministry already? They love our church. They love this area. Um, you know, and obviously some of that's going to grow as they get there, but if they already hate your music or they already don't like your style of preaching, or they already don't like the preferences that you have for your, your staff and your corporate standards, man, that's going to be a train wreck. But so many people dive into those situations where they already don't agree. And it's hard enough when you do, uh, you know, do lockstep on those things already.
1: Yeah. That was kind of the second question about chemistry between the staff and the, and the leadership course. You know, at Rosedale, you're talking about a larger church, but, it, but in your church, which is a little larger than mine, you, you have more direct lead pastor connection with your assistants, and so do I. Um, and that chemistry is so critical, and I love what you said. Uh, uh, Dean and is here in Tallahassee, Florida, and he said he would not hire somebody who was not already a part of the city church. So he, mm. he exclusively hires within, which is a move that I've made. And yeah. interestingly enough for you, at least, I'm not saying that it's philosophical, but it worked out that way with Matt um, at your church. You're uh, an assistant who was already there, already engaged, already leading worship. How valuable is that?
2: It's huge because I already know what I've got. I've already worked with him for two years. My One of my other staff, Colin, was here uh, as an intern. And I, that's one thing that I'm doing now when I'm hiring those younger staff members. I'm trying to bring them in for a summer no strings attached. Let's just see how this goes. See how he connects with my people. See how he connects with me. See if our personalities work good together. I I think that's crucial. And then Mm -hmm. they already know your church. They know what the, they know what stylistically it's going to be like. They know what those backroom meetings are already like. They know uh, what to expect. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's just a big deal. People get in these places and they're just totally blown away. uh, Because when, you know, back in the day, what we would do is, and I've still been guilty of this. I mean, somebody comes into town, we know we want to hire them. We're going to whine on them and dine them. They're going to see our best. It's kind of like social media. They're seeing the highlight reel. The best songs are going to be sung. The sugar stick sermons are going to be preached. They're going to be hanging out when everything's perfect. When a guy can already be there on the ups and downs, the big days, the little days, the days where it's just flat, um, and they've been through, you know, months or years with you already, man, you're already way ahead of the game. Cause you've already worked through those disappointments. They've already seen that you have feet of clay. They already know that you're not perfect. Mm. Um, you know, your church isn't perfect. They know the nuances and the personality of your church. I mean, it's just, you're way ahead of the game when you have someone that's already there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And from my perspective, cause we're a little smaller, we're urban also. I mean, our church, um, even now into our seventh year is not as financially solid as maybe some, uh, and I'm okay with that, but, but in addition to that, just philosophically, I have started really working with more lay leadership, but it's the same principle. I mean, I'm not going to make somebody my student pastor who is not faithful at church, loves us, has proven giftedness, and, and, and this chemistry we're talking about. I'm getting ready to install a new student pastor this weekend, and he's a guy in our church. And man, there's not a guy in our church that loves our church more, is more faithful at our church has proven that now for almost two years. What a better chance I've got for a high success rate by this kind of model rather than, hey, let's call such and such Baptist college. Let's get 50 resumes sent over here to us. Let's plow through these, and let's hire a very high-impact player like a youth director or a worship guy when it may not work out very long at all. I think that's that's something that these guys should pay attention to
2: chemistry is so important and I try not to hire someone exactly like me personality wise, cause it can just cause a ton of issues. I need guys that may be a little bit different than me. So if you're a motivator and you're uh, maybe an exhorter, sometimes having some guys that are gifted intellectually or more organizationally trying to fill in those holes. And that's a common principle, fill in those holes where you're weak, you know? So don't be scared of that. Man, there's guys that may, you may be a jock and they're a nerd. That may be a good thing. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That's, that's a, they can fill in those uh, personality differences. And I, I buy. Design hire guys with different personalities than than I have. Um, you know, and there's some tests you can have out there. They can go through that really will open some insight. Um, so I would recommend any of that kind of thing. If you Y'all
1: have that. you send me um, a link to that when we're done? That yeah, way we can uh, we'll post it in the show notes. I want to transition. I want to hinge a little bit here. We're, that that was more staff related, but I want mm-hmm. to talk about this other issue. I think this one this was got some. Real bite to it, I think that people uh, need to face up to, and that's that's the issue of chemistry and candidating in, in a sense of a pastor and the church he's going to. Yeah. Uh, which kind of birthed this conversation in the first place. So, how important, you know, especially you're ta- we're talking about we're talking about the front line, we're talking about the first year or two. You're going to be going to a church, you're going to be leading this church. How important would you say chemistry is in that? relationship, and how can a, a pastor, a potential pastor, um, uh, ensure that a little better, you know? Yeah, like, that's a great yeah.
2: That's a great question. Um, two quick stories on this. I have a friend that took a job at a church, took a pastorate, big church, got there, moved his family there from a good church, he was preaching Sunday night, and he said he looked out in the crowd, and it looked like his wife and daughter were sitting on an island by themselves he realized at that moment he had made a huge mistake literally went in and resigned paid back some of the money and all that so this is a huge this is a huge deal and i think one of the things that we can can really make a huge mistake on as pastors looking for if we're looking for a church and the church is looking at us is sometimes we we automatically in our minds see a big property a lot of people and it's like, hey, I want that. I think me and you are both great examples of had opportunities mm-hmm. at places way bigger than we ended up, more money than where we ended up, bigger properties than where we ended up. I remember Sarah and I preaching and being at a church that was huge, 1600 seat auditorium, a lot going on, no peace about it at all. And, and we look back now, the place ended up having to sell the buildings, the church is a mess And, you know, I had people trying to really push me uh, to go in that direction. And why would you go to this little church out in the country? You know what I'm saying? Mm. so God's leading is so important Mm. when it comes to this. Mm. And all through scripture, when it comes to steps of faith, and I think this is where we can get in trouble in the day we live in. We are so, we want to work everything out logically. We want to have the pros and cons list. We want to have what's best. We want to see the package. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, you go all the way back to the Old Testament, Abraham, go to a land that I will show you. Okay. Mm. Abraham packed up and went, didn't know where he was headed yet. God eventually revealed it to him. You know, the whole thing. I think for us, we've got to go to that place sometimes where it takes rejecting human reasoning and trusting the promises of God. It didn't make sense for me to come where I went, but I knew it was God's will. I didn't know. And we, I was financially, it didn't make sense really in the world's eyes, success-wise, it didn't make sense. There's a lot of things that didn't make sense. I look back seven years ago now, it didn't make sense. Right now, it makes all the sense in the oh, world. Yeah. God's oh, yeah. perfect will. When you drove me by your original property there in Jacksonville, when I saw that, I, I don't know if you remember this, we're in the car, I'm like, Brian, how did you get your wife to move here? <laughs> it was not a place where most would have placed you or put you, mm. but it was God's will for you. So okay. I think I think sometimes, and I'm not trying to sound super spiritual here, but it's a spiritual decision more mm. than a financial decision, more than a resume decision. Mm. So I think first and foremost is that spiritual leading of God. And I think you have, uh, I think He's gifted us. He gives us natural senses. He gives us the Holy Spirit. When we're meeting with these pulpit committees, when we, when I walked into Eufaula Baptist Church and preached that first time, I'm not trying to be mystical here. I knew,
0: mm. I knew. Yep.
2: We, we went back to our hotel room that day and wept. We knew that Sunday. That was with no vote. That was with never talking about, and I'm not saying everybody's experience is this way, but I think some of that plays into it, yes. that, that peace, that calm assurance from the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember uh, preaching here the first time, and uh, I called. In fact, believe it or not, it was actually before, before even Sunday, I called Angie after dinner just with one deacon, dinner, and I called her from Jacksonville. I was staying in some... Mission's house or some other church or something, and uh, I said, "Angie, I don't know, but I, I just have this feeling. This is there's a there's something possible here." And that man's still with us, and he's one of only ten people that still attend our church. I knew there was something there that God knit our hearts, sure. even knowing I was going to have to go through a major overhaul. Now I didn't know all that that was going to mean. <laughs> but there was at least a connection in chemistry somewhere. Holy Spirit and me, me and somebody, there was something going on that I knew. As it relates to um, culture and needing, yeah. I mean, obviously both of our churches were going to need transformation in a big way. Um, how important is it that when you first come, you have an honest assessment of where that is and, and, and maybe being willing to pay a price of what, to get it where it needs to be?
2: I think in the interview process, in the question process is be honest. Mm. Listen, if you're going to make major changes, number one, I would say, don't make any quickly anyways, do slow corners. Mm-hmm. Um, we both probably learned the hard way. So I'm on sure. some of that. Yeah. Um, I know I have. Um, and, but I think being just totally transparent and honest with the people with the pulpit committee, listen, if you're going to get in there, if you're, if you have a reformed view or Armenian Arminian view and they're asking you those questions, just tell them the truth where you're at. Right. Don't get don't try to change them. You know what I'm saying? Like right. you need to be honest with them up front. If you're when it comes to Bible versions, okay, even me and you are a little bit different on this. Man, be honest with the pulpit right. committee when you speak to them. Be, tell them where you're at. Don't you know what I'm saying, Brian? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I think those type of things. Musically, I think we need to be transparent. And a lot of times these churches, they may want to be where you're at anyways. Mm-hmm. So wow. I think in just being honest with them, and
1: that's just really interesting. Them. I'm, I was—I've been working with the pulpit committee of another pretty substantial church. A lot of people know they've been in a long drug out process trying to find a pastor. And the one guy they ended up dialing in on who who ended up not going, but when it came down to the visit and the actual, you know, we're going to offer you this job, it didn't work out. But the guy told me how amazed he was at how much that those that church wanted what that guy had who was completely different than they were. And the only way that they could have known that was that he was being transparent. And you That's hit right. some big ones, and I think there are some big ones. There are there are things that are really dear to people, whether you like it or not. Translations, music, um, uh, stylistics, uh, things like services, uh, when we do what, and Sunday schools and Christian schools and all these kinds of things. Those were the things that... I was honest about they called me anyways many of the times I think another thing to realize is even if they accept that you're still going to have some battles don't think you're not going to have battles but at least know up front hey um we're in agreement that this is where we're going to go and then if you hide if you hide that and then you come circle back around and try to implement some of that you're just going to hang yourself because you didn't run on that ticket um you know so to speak so I think that's uh, important. Do you do you have any other um, just advice for guys that would candidate to pastor? Honesty in the interview process. I, mean, I, I wrote incredible. down yep.
2: honesty, be transparent. Man, if you're expecting to have multiple days off, okay, so one of the things for me is I already traveled and preached some. Mm-hmm. I want to tell those guys up front, so when I'm here pastoring and I'm gone 15 weeks a year, they were already aware of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? And yep. That's not everybody, but some people are gonna be that way. Be honest about that kind of thing. Get everything out everything you can get out of the table. get out on the table um, with your leadership. Let me give you one more uh,
1: on that on that line. For me, uh, we're different in this way too, but I have a larger and young family. Um, at the time, I only had two young children, but now I've got several. but the point was I told them, you had a 70-something-year-old pastor who was more like a grandpa and was at every hospital bed, et cetera. I said, one thing you got to know about me is I'm a young father. I have young kids, and I'm not going to be out every night of the week um, chasing down everybody's you know, sicknesses. And so that's become a culture here. It wasn't the culture before I came. But I think telling them that up front helped me whenever I wasn't going to be at all those things, and it kind of gave me that space.
2: Absolutely. And that's just communication stuff. And I found most of the time, if we're just upfront and honest with that stuff, it's fine.
1: Right. And it's not
2: going to prevent you. What happens is when when we have to feel like we've got to trick them into something. And here's the thing, if your leadership with the pulpit committee isn't behind you, then you you're, it's not going to work. Right. So that's, I mean, if, if you're not, uh, if you have to trick them into hiring you and like, you don't tell them that stuff, it's going to be a bad situation. You know, Pastor it's is harder enough without that.
1: You know, you just got me thinking about, I've never really articulated this before, but what you just said triggered something with me. Okay. So there were deacons and there was a pulpit committee that obviously called me before I ever stood before the congregation. Four out of the five of those people are still here. And you know how low of a retention I have of the original members. Yeah. So that should tell you how important that pulpit committee and those deacons are because those men uh, that called me, for the most part, stayed. Mm. Even through, as you know, like mega transition, mega change, relocation, rename, new style, new Bible, all that. So that shows you how deep that... If you got some, if you're grinding with the pulpit committee and you're you're knotted up, and you sent somebody over there, one of the power players, basically checking what you're saying, and hey, we're always going to do this, we'll never change that, da 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 da. You better really think twice. Yeah, that's right. Before running and into I, that,
2: one thing I tell guys too, and I've connected a lot of pastors with churches over the years. And one of the things that I wanted to establish right off the bat, and I tell the young guys, is just depending on the type of church that you're going to be part of, whether it's it I means the Elder Ruled, Pat, whatever, is for me, I'm a pastor-led church with very high accountability. Mm-hmm. So if that's going to be the position that I wanna have, and I believe is God's will for our church and stuff, I even in the interview process, man, I told them that, listen, I believe in a pastor-led church with very high accountability. Right. And so it's not a, you know, if you're going into a church that's deacon run, that's going to decide, Hey, this probably isn't going to be a good fit for me. Right. Um, you know, and I know we're all, there's so many strains of that now, of depending on where you're at, what denomination, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but those type of things need to be out on the table in front for their, for the church's sake and for your sake. Yep. I mean, if you think it's going to be a pastor led church and it's a deacon run church, committee ran church, I mean, there's gonna be headbutting day one. I've literally seen guys be at churches for months, mm. and because they didn't have that conversation.
1: Yep. Man,
2: yeah. it, it just it ends in just craziness.
1: Yeah, and you don't want to do that. I mean, think you know, if you are, um, if you have kids, I mean, how many times do you want to move your family before it's gonna hurt bad? Yeah, that's you got. Right. You know, some of you guys may have uh, maybe upper elementary teenage kids. That's where I'm at. I got a fifth grader and tenth grader. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to put me in a situation where I have to now uproot my 10th grade daughter who's got a friend base and a yeah. school and a youth group just because I didn't have enough sense to think about that. And I would say, too, we didn't. this wasn't really part of the script, but when it relates to you interviewing, speak about the importance of your family, like your wife, and in certain cases, even maybe your children— Huge. I
2: mean, it's such a huge thing, Brian. And so I honestly thought there was a time we thought we'd be at Rosedale forever. My daughter was born there. She'd been in school all the way up through, I think she was seventh or eighth grade. Um, Honestly, I had it made, good position, coveted place to work, awesome ministry. And as the Lord began to work on my heart, um, I was very open with Sarah, very open with Caitlin. Um, and I remember one of the things where I was really struggling was because Caitlin was in seventh, eighth grade. You know, you're, that's a volatile time. I wanted to include her mm. in, in, in this. And I remember she came and visited with us when we we came and candidated. She was here that weekend. Obviously, you know, there's some emotional things there. There's uh, you know, kind of, you know, this, fear of the unknown. I've been at the same place the whole time. And I remember this Brian, we were back in, uh, we were back in Baltimore and we're riding down the road in Sarah's Jeep and uh, Caitlin's probably 12, 12, 11, 12. And she, she, we're just right out of nowhere. She goes, dad, if uh, this is God's will, I just want you to know I'm all in. Mm. And at that moment, I think God kind of used that, even though I already knew, man, that was just one of those moments because we had included her. We were open and honest with her about what was going right. on. I didn't want to trick her into going somewhere either. I mean, she's having to uproot all her friends, um, all that stuff. And at that moment, I think God really worked on her heart. Mm. And so I would say this, if your wife especially isn't in it, Man, it, it it's hard enough when they are in it. Right. When they are for it. If if they're totally not feeling it, there's probably there's probably a the red flag there to maybe at least step back, have some more conversations, really pray it through. I would include them, especially if you have teenage kids, obviously they can't make the decision for you, but you need to at least be open and transparent oh, yeah. with them. Yeah. Your wife though, her opinion is yeah. man, it matters. It's it matters. more
1: it's more than important. Yeah, it's for more sure. than. Important. Yeah. And I've always said if I, if God ever called me out of here, which that's not my plan, but if he ever did, Adriana would be on the front row. Um, at this point, her her heart is more important to me than any kind of relocation or better opportunity or whatever that even means. Yeah. And I, you know, I was advised about that if that was ever the case that man, you better put her on the front row seat and uh, be okay. That's open. right. I'd rather I think
2: if I ever got called if I ever got called from here, my wife and daughter would probably be staying. So
1: they're not going anywhere. I'd have a better uh, chance of moving from being the pastor of the church to a Starbucks barista here in Jacksonville. Yeah, that's, right. I would, you know, <laughs> that's right. Well, man, that's awesome advice, Jake. I'm going to put um, maybe our email addresses up on the show notes too. Maybe somebody out there might want to uh, connect yeah. with us. I know we're always loving these preacher talks. And so Jake, thanks again for yep. coming Thank on the you, podcast. Man. Love you personally. And, and yeah, thanks for also too, for man. investing in the audience, man.
2: Yeah, thank you Brian.
1: Absolutely guys, thanks for joining us today and we'll look forward to the next conversation on life leadership and ministry until next time. This is the Brian Sams podcast.